This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Welcome to Sunday Commentary, a weekly program designed to break open the Sunday Scripture readings. Join us as we listen to God's Word and seek to grow in our love and understanding for the good news in our lives. And now, Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman. The Liturgical Scripture Readings for the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord to Shebna, master of the palace, I will thrust you from your office and pull you down from your station. On that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and gird him with your sash and give over to him your authority. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will place the key of the house of David on Eliakim's shoulder. When he opens, no one shall shut. When he shuts, no one shall open. I will fix him like a peg in a sure spot to be a place of honor for his family. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The responsorial psalm. Lord, your love is eternal. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Lord, your love is eternal. Do not forsake the work of your hands. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart, for you have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple. Lord, your love is eternal. Do not forsake the work of your hands. I will give thanks to your name because of your kindness and your truth. When I called, you answered me. You built up strength within me. Lord, your love is eternal. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The Lord is exalted, yet the lowly he sees, and the proud he knows from afar. Your kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the work of your hands. Lord, your love is eternal. Do not forsake the work of your hands. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. O the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How inscrutable are his judgments, and how unsearchable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Or who has given the Lord anything that might be repaid? For from him, and through him, and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. 
And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Carla, on this 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time, we've got a lot to talk about, some great readings today, but I do want to talk about a powerhouse of saint days. So I want to ask folks to ask for these saints' intercession during the week. On the 27th of uh, August, St. Monica. 28th is St. Augustine. 29th is the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist. The 30th is St. Rosalima, very well-known saints. And here's one that caught my attention this time. The 31st is the feast day of St. Nonatus. Uh, and so I didn't really know about this saint, so I had to look this person up. Um, uh, this was a uh, person, a Raymond Nonatus, who was delivered actually by Caesarean section or Caesarean operation back in 1204 because his mother died while actually in childbirth. So that's actually, he got his name, Nonatus, or meaning not born. Oh, so can you imagine, oh, but I didn't right. realize they had actually Caesarean births, you know, way back in the 1200s, but that's how he got his name is Nonatus. Um, he ended up joining the uh, Mercedarians um, as a young man, and then he became actually the chief ransomer in this order and went to Algeria to ransom slaves. Oh. Amazing story about how he was tortured and imprisoned. He escaped a death sentence, uh, but he was able to return. Uh, he died in 1240, so he lived a relatively short life, 36 years, was canonized uh, in 1657, and he is the patron saint of expectant mothers and midwives because of the nature of his own birth. So okay. an amazing saint. It's amazing the, the richness and the history of our saints that we have in our church. It just makes me wonder how many other saints are, and you just never hear about Right, them. exactly. Yeah. And you're like, oh, so yeah. I wanted to highlight this one because this is saints. a new one. Exactly. Right. I'm, yeah, canonized saints that we, yeah. Exactly. Don't and so please, that. please uh, ask the intercession of these saints this week. Yes. Um, we have a reading today from the prophet Isaiah. Yeah, and in this first reading, we hear about the fate of a man known as Shebna. Now, it's possible that he was a scribe or a religious leader. He did hold, he held some kind of a place of authority. Shebna betrayed God in some way, and he was stripped of his authority. And Isaiah describes how Shebna would be handed over to Eliakim, along with his authority. Now, some of that authority would be acting as a judge over others, and we hear the words, when he opens, no one shall shut. When he shuts, no one shall open. And Catholics should pick up on how the description for the seat of judgment, you know, with the authority to open and shut, how that's kind of a foreshadowing of the priesthood established by Jesus. And we're going to hear more about that in our gospel reading. Yeah, and, and the symbolism in this reading is amazing because you talk about the keys and shutting and opening. We see those on, on Eliakim's shoulder, these keys. What does that mean? And robes and sausage and fathers and all that. Um, I want to provide just a little bit of context here because the chief steward uh, really was in charge of the other stewards and second in command next to the king. So Shebna and eventually Eliakim, as we talked about, was a chief steward. And so what that meant was, firstly, when the king was away, 
the chief steward was in charge. He literally ran the kingdom in the king's physical absence. So this was a position of great importance and authority. Um, Secondly, the sign of authority, as you mentioned, was wearing the keys to the kingdom. And they literally were king's keys to the royal establishment. They were the only keys, right? They didn't go down to the local Home Depot and make a few uh, copies of these things, (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) So as you talk about opening and shutting, these were very important uh, aspects to this. And then thirdly, uh, he carried these keys in a leather shoulder pouch. So there was a visible sign and everyone knew that he was a chief uh, steward. And I think this is also very important in terms of the idea of the papacy. This office was successive through a family line. So this wasn't just like a one and done, I'm going to go and find somebody else. This was definitely a line or an office that was created. Right. And so this was, I think, very important in terms of our understanding of the papacy and, and we see in the gospel. But these were very important symbolisms that relate to that. So uh, we're going to go ahead and um, you know see that, uh, I guess, that fulfillment in the gospel. But first, let's go ahead and spend just a few minutes in the second reading. We read today from Romans chapter 11. Oh, yeah. And St. Paul is citing poetic passages from the book of Isaiah in these beautiful verses. And just listen carefully to that last verse. For from him and through him and for him all things, to him be glory forever. Amen. And these words should also have a familiar ring for Catholics. You know, we hear similar words prayed by the priest during the Mass, and it's at the end of the Eucharistic prayer when the priest elevates the consecrated host and the chalice of the precious blood, and he says, Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. And we respond with that great amen, amen. the great amen of the mass, the highlight. Yes. Yeah. And and everything needs to be directed towards God and his ways and his teachings. And that's a beautiful way to summarize that. Mm -hmm. In the gospel today, of course, we see this, uh, the establishment of the papacy. And I want to at least start with the saying that, you know, it says Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi. That is not just a coincidence, right? Again, God is not, uh, you know, doesn't lay down just meaningless uh, symbolism here. Caesarea Philippi lays near the Cascades of the Jordan River and near a gigantic wall of rock. This wall is about 200 feet high and about 500 feet long. Uh, It's part of the southern foothills of Mount Hermon. Uh, The city no longer exists, but the ruins are near the small town of Banyas. And this, you know, the base of the rock is where we find the the reading picking up today. Oh, right. And in this gospel reading, Jesus says to Peter, you are rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And he follows with the words, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he bestows on Peter the authority of the church's first pope. And this is a reflection from the first reading, you know, what he opens he remains open, what he closes remains closed, right? Now, papal authority is a doctrine of the Catholic Church, and it's one of the four indelible marks of the Catholic Church, one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. The succession of popes can be traced all the way back to Peter. Hundreds, if not thousands of volumes have been written on this topic, and it's commonly understood that the Pope is the head of the Catholic Church. That's an absolute, and it's not up for debate. The role of the Pope and the scope of papal authority are often misunderstood. And I have to stifle my giggles when someone cites as an argument against papal authority. Well, 
you know, the, the fact is that the, the, the Pope is just a man and the Bible says that all men sin. Well, this is just one example of the general misunderstandings about the role of the Pope. Yes, of course, the Pope sin. Popes are men, they sin. But that has nothing to do with papal infallibility. We can go all the way back to Peter, the first Pope. And we know without a doubt that Peter was also a sinner, but that didn't prevent Jesus from bestowing on him the authority as the head of his church, the first pope. And as to papal infallibility, we've already established that the pope is a human being, capable of sin, just as any other human being, and the pope can make mistakes. The pope could hold a personal opinion, not completely aligned with the teachings of the church, but that would simply be his opinion. On morals, faith and morals, matters of faith and morals, the pope is infallible. He can't change divine law. He can make pronunciations on truths that are already known, that have already been revealed. For instance, the last one that was made was back in 1950, and it was on the Assumption of Mary. We call these pronunciations, they're called ex-cathedra, which means from the chair, from the chair of the Pope. And again, they are not changing divine law. They are simply defining and clarifying teachings, uh, truths that we already know. Uh, now, popes can change man-made laws. For example, until just a few years ago, the liturgy for Holy Thursday, the washing of the feet, that was restricted for participation with men and boys. And Pope Francis made a change to that law to allow participation by women and girls. Examples of divine law that the pope cannot change are divine law that prohibits the murder of human innocent life through abortion and euthanasia. And the Pope can't change the divine law on illicit sexual unions. It's not within his power to sanction any human actions that directly conflict with the law of God. And this papal authority is a stumbling block for many of our Protestant brothers and sisters. But let us continue to pray that one day again we may be reunited. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman, produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.